look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popowich. All right, two things that are exciting yep. happening. We have the one, we're getting closer and closer to seeing how the stamps will sort out this season. Yep. Um, and number two, the election's coming. Right. So this is going to be an interesting two weeks for us because we are we have invited, and we'll, uh, we're going to bring our producer on for just a minute because we thought it would be appropriate to ask each of the uh, the main parties a little bit about their platform with respect to our demographic, right? Those people that are transitioning to or living in retirement, and you know what can we expect from uh, from each party's platform? Yeah. So we today we we have the Green Party and the Liberal Party on, uh, and we're going to talk to them about their platforms and how it impacts uh, people transitioning to or living in retirement. Um, Betty Joe, I want you to come on our, our, our show right now and just kind of... Betty Joe you, Kaiser is our producer of the show. Yeah, yeah, she's our producer. And, and Betty Joe, your job uh, with us is helping us get our guests on the show. And so you had to go through uh, a bunch of work to get you know these individuals to come on the show. Kind of walk us through some of the feedback you're getting from these individual parties and how, how, how challenging it is to get them on. Thanks. Yeah, it was really challenging. Liana, who works as well with you, uh, you guys, her and I work closely together. And a couple of weeks ago, actually, it was longer than a couple of weeks ago, you guys said, leading up to the election, let's hear from all of the parties. So the seat had been planted for a while. And then as we got closer to recording day and, and airtime, um, I had to knock on the door and say, let's set up a time. And you guys, it was impossible (laughs) like that's the first word is impossible and i'm talking all four parties why is that well the green party was the first one to get back to me and the first one to get me a uh, a person that was able to talk and a phone number so they were they were the only ones that took 48 hours just to give you perspective often we will book a guest the day of or the yeah. day before. Yeah. Because most people, when they have an opportunity to share their information on the radio, they think, oh, there's a potential for thousands of people to be listening. This is yeah. and, and this is online. This is going on social media. This is getting pushed everywhere. This right? is podcast, everything about our show. So and this is talk radio. This is a captive audience. So yeah. you would think they would be lined up, pushing each other over to get on the air. Instead, it was the complete opposite. I either got handed off to communications people that weren't able to get back, excuses about it being very busy, yeah. uh, excuses about way too busy knocking on doors. We are wall-to-wall knocking on doors. So you're spending your afternoon knocking on doors, or you could spend nine minutes talking to yeah. several In between houses, people. you can yes. just pick up your cell phone. Yeah, Exactly. So so, so I, you think that's because of the sensitivity of if they say something or somebody out there might take a micro clip of our interview and then potentially change the way that this election could face out or have some sort of, of uh, character issues with the with the individual parties? Is that what you think is happening? I think that's definitely part of it. There is a concern that uh, part of an answer may be taken out of context. And this day of... Uh of multimedia, exactly. Somebody grabbing that that half of a quote or a tiny little soundbite and and putting it out out of context. Um, but actually, I I think it, there's a there's a general nervousness. Yeah. Do I have the information I need? Am I going to sound dumb? Am I going to sound smart? I had this conversation with some people at a cocktail party because I've been working so hard on this week's show and next week's show and. 
the feedback I got from people varied from, you know, the the whole people are paranoid that their their words are going to be taken out of context and it's going to wreck their campaign to they actually haven't been given the, the, the right amount of information or a proper amount of information from their party so that they can speak with confidence to it to um, they don't have any media training. They're afraid to be yeah. on the radio. And I mean, to be honest, this is a conservative station. So sometimes people are a little it's, nervous yeah. that they might get a- attacked. So you're saying it has nothing to do with that people don't want to talk to Dave Popovich. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so that's... I think that's what it guess is. Guess what, though? That's what finally did it. I had to say, I had to, like, sell you guys. I'm like, uh, these guys are portfolio managers. They are not, like, hard-hitting journalists. We're not the media. We just help people transition to retirement. <laughs> yes. I'm like, this, this program is about sharing information and informing people. That is their mission. So if you want to share information and inform, have a conversation. And so finally, we we have had some success. So, But it wasn't without struggle. And I find that really interesting because when I first started taking broadcasting way back in the day, you could get an interview, especially with a politician, especially leading up to an election, Correct. no problem. Yeah. Isn't well, that interesting? In an environment where uh, there's, there's so many different forms of communication, um, the reaction to this is we're pulling back from communication for fear that it's going to you know, yeah, be, be used in some format it wasn't intended. Which is very interesting that that's how it's starting to turn into yeah. around the world yeah. about everything. Right? Yeah. Let's, exactly. not, let's withhold conversation and right. open dialogue because we're scared of what it could, it right. could turn into. But Betty Jo, I want to say on behalf of Dave and myself, thank you so much for all the hard work you do to get these types of individuals on our show. It's challenging. It's difficult. Uh, but you, you do a bang-up job. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. And so that, that kind of leads into yep. this, this today's show. You know, we're going to have two members, one from the Green Party, one from the Liberal Party, talking about their platform. And people are nervous about what's going to be the impact of this election mm-hmm. in their retirement, in their investment portfolios. And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, and before we finish up the segment, we've got a couple of minutes. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the markets this week and what yep. we saw. Um, you know, again, another crazy week, sort of driven by headline information again, uh, and wild swings. Wild swings. So it's, again, going back to our initial conversation of how some people are scared of, yeah. of releasing information, and that way because it gets skewed. It's the same thing on the other side. When you do release information, it can get skewed. The slightest piece of positive news has taken the market's move way up high or negative goes way low. So it's it's that reaction to the 140 characters on Twitter or the soundbite that comes across on the airwaves, but not looking at the real meat and potatoes of what's really going on and making decisions on that. It's amazing how this market has moved this week purely because – of what's uh, what's being tweeted or what's being the headline story, and and that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, you know, stick around. Uh, up next, we're gonna we're gonna be talking uh, with the Green Party, as Faisal said. But at the end of the show, I want you to stick around to to segment four because we we have to make sense of this. We've had tons of conversation with clients about well, what if. You know, it's a liberal minority with a Green Party candidate, uh, you know, a Green Party kicker or an NDP kicker. What if the conservatives win a majority? What does this mean for my portfolio? We're going to discuss that in the fourth segment. Okay, you uh, stick around. You're on uh, 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on More Than Money. 
770 CHQR. It's uh, it's election time, my friend. Mm-hmm. Right? And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get various parties on um, yep. and provide an opportunity really to sort of address their, their uh, party's platform with respect to, you know, our demographic, people that are sort of transitioning to and living in retirement and you know, and what that audience generally needs to know about the uh, about the various platforms. Yep. Right. Um, and we're uh, we're kicking it off today with uh, Tana Boonlert, who is a Green Party candidate, Calgary Center, uh, Center to be precise. Uh, Tana, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's just start the conversation again from an information educational perspective, um, high level. I I want to I want you to t- just talk a little bit about. What older adults, so you know that sort of fifty plus people thinking about moving into retirement, what do they need to know about the key aspects of the Green Party's platform? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I want to be upfront here. I'm not a, a fifty plus candidate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am probably the I, I am actually the youngest candidate running in Calgary Center, but I know at the core of our party we've got a really strong platform, and uh, there's something that we we definitely want to focus on, making sure that people tra- transitioning to becoming seniors are, are taken care of and are protected, right? So uh, one thing that I think is super unique with uh, the Green Party's platform uh, out of any of the parties that are running right now is that we, we support a guaranteed livable income, right? So making sure that everybody can live with dignity and respect. And actually, that, that doesn't matter uh, of your age, really. So, uh, of course, if you're 18, uh, you, you, you would be receiving guaranteed livable income. And if you're a senior, you'd be uh, receiving this as well. Um, the thing to note here, though, is that we would also want to uh, reform the CPP a little bit here, making sure that the, uh, we increase CPP uh, income targets rate over over time from 25% to 50% of the income received during uh, during your working years. And this would be supplemented with the GLI, so the Guaranteed Livable Income. You know, I, I've been door knocking now for about uh, four and a half months straight every single day, and we do run into a lot of seniors at the doors people becoming seniors soon and um you know a lot of a lot of people here in alberta and in calgary are kind of uh, really concerned about uh about their pension and also uh being able to uh, provide enough funds to, to 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 pay for their medication food and then also their housing right which is super important to note here and um, sorry, I'm blabbing on a little bit no, here, guys. I, but I <laughs> want to just jump in here, uh, Tana, yeah, in regards yeah. to this guaranteed livable income. Is there an amount that you guys have on your platform? Um, what would you guys consider to be qualifying for this? You mentioned over the age of 18. Um, so, is there is a if you have certain other income coming in, does that get taken away? Like, give us more information about the the, the GLI as uh, as you know it. Yeah. So, as far as I understand it. Um, th- this GLI would decrease as you make more money, right? Okay. So th- this GLI really is just for the basics, for for being able to to live. But it definitely um, it it gives you more incentives to get out there and to to you know to try to do a little bit more, right? And this is just for the basic, basic, basic. But we we think that that's necessary in order to make sure that people don't fall beneath uh, or fall between the cracks, right? And um, I th- go ahead. I think you had a question there. No, oh, yeah, Tan, I was just going to ask you. Can you put a number to that? So, what's the what is that right. minimum guaranteed livable income? So, th- this is the part where we'd actually really have to work with the different jurisdictions and the di- different municipalities, right? Because they're obviously every um, jurisdiction has a different standard of living. And uh, so, personally, I'm I am not sure what this number would look like. 
And I'll okay. be honest with you. But I know that it would be adjusted based on where you live. And then you also mentioned the Canadian Pension Plan, increasing that to 50% of the of the income that a person receives in retirement based upon some sort of average calculation, I'm assuming. So yeah, that means, during their working years. Yeah. So that would that mean old age security is on top of that, or are we eliminating old age security and focusing on the Canadian Pension Plan? We would eliminate the older age security, and then uh, so that would be kind of all rolled up, and all those kind of, I would say, boutique-type uh, payments would be rolled up into the GLI, right? And then you would get your uh, supplementals, CPP. Got you. Okay, so let's talk about, um, uh, you know, I'm not sure anybody necessarily argues from a perspective that people need living wages and and be able to support themselves, but there's a cost to the economy. Uh, Yes. Or potentially, the money has to come from somewhere. Walk us through a little bit about the party's platform on uh, where the sources of in, where where does the money come from to support this? Mm -hmm. So it'd be coming from a lot of different sources. And um, before I even get to where exactly they come from, Uh, I, I also want to note that our, our entire platform here that we released a few weeks ago is the only one that's been fully costed out by the Parliamentary Budget Office and fully yep. submitted as well, right? So that's showing fiscal responsibility. Now, where the money is coming from to pay for a lot of this is a great question. So first of all, we want to close the tax loopholes, right, uh, and the tax havens, making sure that uh, people are not, you know, getting away with not paying taxes. We would also make sure, that, or we would also increase corporate tax rates uh, by a little bit. And also, we would uh, implement a wealth tax to the wealthiest twenty uh, wealthiest people in Canada, so people making over $20 million, which is similar to what the NDPs are proposing as well, right? So just making a 1% uh, wealth tax there. Um, other sources as well. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, if you want to boost the economy and change it in a, in a, in a way that's going to be sustainable, we think that we can actually increase that by changing the subsidies from oil and gas and transitioning that to renewables, which we believe would really help uh, create more jobs locally here and, and um, making sure that the people's incomes are good as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at things like guaranteed livable income and even um, implementing a national pharmacare, uh, we see that in the long, and sure, upfront is going to cost us some money, but in the long run, from our calculations and, and from the evidence that we've seen across the world, that this actually saves uh, the Canadian taxpayer dollars a lot of money in the long run. And pharmacare actually is, it's like going to Costco, right? When you're buying in bulk, right? You're, you're buying in bulk to save money. And that's the exact same notion that uh, would be implied here with the National Pharmacare, pharmacare Plan when we're, we're buying medicine in bulk. Tana, can I just jump in here? I got, I got yes, a question please, in regards please. to that. What I heard from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we want to remove some of the subsidies from the oil and gas companies uh, and the industry in the oil and gas to go to renewables, correct? Yes. Okay, so there are other industries that fr- have some sort of environmental impact. Let's take a look at the forestry, mining. How about the car industry in Ontario? Why not go after them as well and tax them and remove their subsidies because the previous governments have given loads of subsidies to the auto sector. What about like companies like Bombardier? No disrespect to them. They're, they're in the oil, they're in the business of using oil. And so that's not as strong environmentally. Why not tax them or SNC Lavalin for like, and those types of industries doing infrastructure because that damages the environment? Why not just tax all of them in the same manner or remove those benefits that they receive, take that money, move it to other areas that you guys see fit? Why is it only the oil and gas sector, not all the sectors that have some sort of 
impact to the, the environment. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's why I think uh, we would have to reevaluate the entire, in, the entire industries, not just oil and gas, right? We've got to see uh, what industries are, like exactly like what you're saying. And this is something that w- I, I would not... Um, would not not include wow double negative there that's kind of weird but <laughs> no i mean if, if i was elected right and this, these are the types of conversations i would be coming back to you guys especially and saying okay well what, are, what am i missing here what, what do we need to maybe include in some of these subsidies or remove right and i completely agree with you there are a lot of uh, other companies and industries that that should be included in, in removing some of these subsidies and at least or transitioning some of these subsidies to somewhere else where we want to see the future grow so you're it, right. just, it just seems like it's a target for Alberta. It's a target of the major industry in this province, which is oil and gas, because I would never hear from any politician, let's go after the auto industry in Ontario or the manufacturing industry in Ontario or the, the maple syrup industry in or Quebec. Even mining, even mining, mining in and forestry yeah, in BC. Right? It seems like it's an Alberta. Oil and gas is the only thing that's bad. Every other industry is okay, and therefore we're so it, it that this is kind of why um, you're hearing from Albertans a lot of pushback because it's going it's, it seems like it's a one a one industry target, not a pan industry yeah. uh, issue. So a broader uh, that's something that you may want to take back to your team and say, hey, we might want to position this as all these industries are impacting the environment in some form. Let's do a, a big wash against all of them and, and then see what the impact is in your, in your guys' economics an- analysis. Because I think that's where, if you're going to go after one, what's stopping you guys from going after other ones? And so let's, let's look at that. Yeah. that. Does that make sense, Tana? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe the way we're framing it is incorrect, right? So instead of saying uh, fossil fuel subsidies, we should maybe, maybe be, or maybe be having an environmental indicator uh, which actually helps us navigate to which industries we should be helping to to switch over to make cleaner, right? And I think you guys are absolutely right. Tana, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you for taking some time with us and sharing the uh, the party's platform. Okay, thanks so much for having me, guys. Have a you great be- day. You too. We've been joined by Tana Boonlert, who's a Green Party candidate in Calgary Centre. We've got a, you know, regardless of who gets elected provincially, federally, uh, internationally, we still have a lifestyle to support. People moving into retirement Correct. are going to have multiple government changes, and we've got to address the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the sustainability of a lifestyle given any number of changes. Let's talk about that at our upcoming summer. Yeah, that's Tuesday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats, so give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Up next to the Liberals, stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And the conversation continues, my friend. Yep. We've got Jordan Steen, who's a Liberal, uh, liberal Party candidate for Calgary Confederation, uh, joining us in just a moment. Um, but as I said in the top of seg- the previous segment, we want to make sure over the next couple of weeks we talk to each of the uh, the parties. We get their uh, they get their platform that's relative to sort of that you know that 50 plus people that are transitioning to and living in retirement and all the fears that they have, right, of making that transition. Correct. There's a lot of concern. Um, Alberta is a very unique situation right now considering economically what's happening here. So people are very sensitive, a lot of anxiety, stress mm-hmm. happening with uh, with Albertans. So we wanted to bring all the platforms on here. So now it's, uh, it's uh, got the Jordan. Liberals' turn. Yeah, you bet. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you guys. 
Well, and thank you, and uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, reading a little bit about your your bio, uh, of course, before the show, and I know you're a long-term Calgarian. You've been a business owner in Calgary, um, uh, so you, I think, you uh, understand some of the issues that we're facing as a city and as a province. Um, so let's start at a high level. Um, our demographic is really targeting those people that are transitioning to or living in retirement. So given yep. what we've been through for the last four years, given how Albertans and Calgarians are feeling, talk to us a little about the uh, the Liberals' uh, platform with respect to those fears and anxieties that that 50-plus crowd has. Yeah, sure. Well, I think I'll, I'll just start by addressing sort of the bigger general concern that I think all Calgarians have, which is we're facing this really serious conversation about how we address climate change and what that means for an economy here that's based on resources. And we are in Calgary impacted by this more than really anywhere else in Canada. And we see the, you know, the kind of rhetoric that's happening and, and a lot of the divisions and a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety right now during this, this time. Uh, and I think that affects everyone from any age on the spectrum. Um, but specifically when it comes to people facing retirement, I mean, um, the, the liberal platform has been, has, you know, really targeted, uh, making sure that seniors are taken care of in, in their later years in retirement. I mean, we changed the retirement age from 67, which Harper had changed it to, to 65. And then, um, we've seen, um, even more recently, uh, we've committed to increasing the old age security by 10%, the survivor's benefit by 25 We even um, have been working at um, making sure that, you know, income splitting, there's an exemption for seniors so that they're not impacted by that. Um, so lots of particular consideration for seniors, but in Calgary in general, lots of Lots of uh, attention being paid to the city specifically from the Liberal government just to help really deal with these these anxieties in this transition time. Jordan, um, at the last um, English-speaking federal debate, uh, when mm-hmm. I watched that, um, I can tell you I did not get from any of the parties um, yeah. what their economic stimulus or economic strategy is. So I'd like to give you some time here to kind of explain to um, our listeners about what the liberal idea is behind stimulating the economy, not just getting more money in people's pockets by cutting taxes or giving more benefits, but literally how do we get more people more jobs? Yeah, no, amazing question. And and you're right, it's really tough in a debate, especially when everyone's talking over each other and, you know, they've only got 45 seconds to answer this very big question. Um, I mean, even just today, uh, the, the economy is really strong right now. Um, we're at a historic 40-year low for unemployment across the country. Uh, even in September, the announcement today was that, I just read a new story that, you know, we had surpassed expectations of a 10,000 gain in September in new jobs, and it's actually 54,000 in new jobs net gain across Canada, and 70,000 of those were full-time jobs. So so we're really seeing a strong economy right now across Canada, and I totally get that we're not necessarily feeling that in Alberta. But we have to look at where global markets are shifting to. I mean, 130 of the world's biggest banks, um, you know, including Deutsche Bank and Bank of America and like all of these banks are now pulling $47 trillion of their loan books away from fossil fuels. And they're putting them into, you know, more uh, clean technology and that kind of stuff. So, you know, keeping that in mind, um, the Liberal platform is really designed to help Canada remain competitive and to really go where the puck is going, if you'll pardon my pun. Um, but 
stimulating, not just in supporting the oil and gas industry in this time of transition, but really uh, putting investments in areas across Canada so that all of the business growth that we're going to see is part of this transition is helping diversify our economy and making sure that Canada is really competitive on a world stage in these shifting global markets. So um, the biggest investments, of course, is the is the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which we hear a lot about, but not necessarily in the context of that every dollar spent on the TMX is going to be going towards clean technology. And then we're seeing lots of investments um, in other areas. I'll just speak to Calgary in particular. At SAIT, for example, they're helping fund the Green Building Technologies Program, which is helping create jobs in Alberta for, you know, uh, installing solar panels for example and making sure that people have the skill sets to be able to do that they're also you know putting incentives in for canadians across canada to be putting solar panels on their roof these will be cost-saving measures long term but they're really good for the economy going forward um, and helping us really diversify here in calgary specifically jordan one of the criticisms that might have been leveled uh you know at the uh liberal administration is and you said something very interesting there there's money being put towards these long-term initiatives and i think you know most people generally could agree that if if we can reduce any um environmental footprint the better it is the problem it seems to be um what we're feeling in calories is when i talk to people is it's the short term so we sort of we've cut off our nose despite our face so Fossil fuels will still be around for uh, a bunch of years, and there's a lot of runway there. But the transition seemed to be very abrupt, and you know we got hit with this feeling abandoned as Albertans um, because of that. Rather than having an integrated strategy, you know that would allow that time and energy and not experience the pain, say in Calgary and Edmonton and in Alberta. What, what do you what do you say about that? We still need fossil fuels for a while. We mm-hmm. we tend to be leaders in it. In fact, we tend to be as a as a community excellent at coming up with new technology, driving new environmental technology around fossil fuels. But we're just yeah. and you're a Calgary and you you talk to people you you know yeah. that too. So what what's the response to that? Well, absolutely. And I mean, I I really don't want to diminish you know the the struggles that we have had here in Calgary. Like I feel it even in my own family. You yeah. know, we've had members of my family laid off. You know, we've had members of my family really struggling to to make ends meet. My business has suffered. My mom's business has suffered. Like we feel this, and I and I get it. Um, you know, we should consider also though that you know Calgary or sorry Alberta still has one of the highest GDPs in the country. So you know, there's a lot of provinces that don't really understand the struggles that we're going through here. And so we have to remember that when we're talking in a national context, you know, there's different ways of looking at this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't want to diminish what we're going through in Calgary, and I, I really get it. But this isn't the the provincial or the federal government that is causing, you know, prices to, of oil to crash or, or causing these disruptions in our economy. It's, it's world markets that are really doing this. I mean, the investment in uh, a project in fracking in the United States that's going to be an 18-month payout is way more competitive for investors than, you know, a 20 to 30-year investment payout in the oil sands in Alberta. So it's yeah, a lot of Jordan, things... Jordan, let me just jump yeah. in there. The, the, the impact of pricing drops is a world issue, but the differential mm-hmm. between Western Canadian Select and WTI, which we can get the market to, is a government issue. That The reason why we don't have a pipeline is because this government and the previous three administrations didn't put yeah. these pipelines in place. It's not. I'm not blaming anybody specifically. I'm just saying totally. this could have been done a long time ago, mm-hmm. and we could have yeah. got this figured out, but we chose not to do it. All governments in the la- this administration, the last three, are at fault on this one. And so I think when we look at a, a world price market fall, we have to remember in Alberta, especially 
especially with Alberta um, energy costs, uh, energy prices such as natural gas, substantially yeah. lower than what's at market. We're not we're not competitive, and these pipelines from a national interest yeah. Yeah. needs to be built and put into place right away. And we, we're just not going to get this done. I don't think there's any political party that's going to get these pipelines out and running in the next, call it five years. I just don't think it's going to happen. And no, so and I, from I, an Albertan you, perspective, I mean, and you said you've yeah. seen the impacts in your own family, do you, do you think that the federal government's plan today will bring those jobs back in your family, will bring your business back up in, in, in revenue for Alberta? Because it seems like Alberta is being left out of this again. Yeah. So no question that, you know, it's decades that we should have had the pipeline built already. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, this government in particular has only been in power for the last four years, but also inherited a track record of several pipelines being, you know, shut down by the courts. Um, due to problems with dealing with all of the complexities that come with building infrastructure projects across the country. So they're incredibly complicated. And and I do believe that we are closer today to having a pipeline built than we ever have been, um, really in part due to, you know, just helping Canadians understand exactly what you just said, helping them understand that, you know, having Alberta sell their product at, you know, 10 cents on the dollar or whatever is not doing Canada or anyone any good. So that's, that's really why the Liberals have bought the pipeline and why they're moving forward. But it's not the federal government that's stalling it. It's the court systems and, and the continuous, um, you know, processes of these uh, Indigenous court challenges and, and challenges across, you know, stakeholder groups that, that aren't interested in seeing a pipeline in their backyard. And so we have to we have to understand that, you know, any government, regardless of whatever bills they put in place, is going to face serious court challenges going forward. And I honestly trust the Liberal government more than any other government um, to actually get through those and to deal meaningfully with reconciliation and to make sure that, you know, the national interest is protected. So it's it's not going to be an easy task for any government. That's absolutely true. But I, I trust the Liberal government more than any other to really get through that and to and to get it, you know, to Tidewater because it is important for Alberta and it is in the national interest. And I mean, you know, in 2015, two in 10 Canadians were supportive of pipelines. Today, it's, I think, 6.7 or almost 7 in 10 Canadians are supportive of a pipeline. So that's a huge shift in even just Canada's understanding of this issue. Um, and that can't be underestimated. And that's really because of, of the diplomacy and the trust building that, that we have done over the last four years on multiple levels of government. Jordan, Jordan. we do have to go. Unfortunately, we have to go to commercial people. And thank you uh, so much for, for sharing the liberal thoughts and, and platform with us today. Thank you so much. Been joined by Jordan Steen, who is the Liberal Party candidate in Calgary Confederation. We've got our upcoming seminar, my friend. That's on Tuesday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break, and we're going to try to make all sense of this with respect to uh, with respect to how to invest. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, okay, through the first half of, I guess, the uh, the series that we're doing with the different candidates. Yep. Um, I'll let you form your own well, – this is not a political show. You guys form your own opinions about what you want to do. But the question we get asked a lot is what happens if so-and-so gets elected? 
right? This party, that party, this combination of parties, what happens to my portfolio? And it's not even the what happens part. Is there's already been an assumption made. If this party wins, then my investments, my portfolio, my retirement is going to go to the – get cratered and we're going to have a problem. Right. So that's where I think we should spend a little bit of time that no matter – what the scenario you can put together of the election and how it's going to impact, I think there's a process process that people need to go through um, about how you okay. build a strategy around that. Right. So we talked about anxiety, you know, uh, uh, as a as a word, yeah. as an as an emotional reaction to these points of change and stress. Right. So depending on what you're thinking about what the un- outcome might be uh, in terms of the election, and then what that that assumption means to Canada's economy and so on and so forth. How do you get, you know, we were talking about how do you get control of that anxiety? And that's that process that we want to talk about, right? Um, we don't know what the outcome is going to be at this point, but we've got to do some planning and thinking about it. So let's let's talk about that because you and I have had a number of conversations this week with clients walking through this, right? Yes, yes. And, um, and we thought it would be valuable to sort of share that because ultimately, hey, this is going to happen every four years, right? Yeah. Um, and, and international uh, uh, politics will be what they are, and those change. So this is something that we're going to deal with for a get, very long time. Get used to it because yeah. it's going to be that sporadic type of, of conversation. Here's, here's what I'd like to kind of start the, the, the piece on. Let's go down the path that the party, the, the political party that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah, your okay. worst case scenario. Yeah, you don't like them, yeah. and they're, you're, you're concerned they're going to win. Right. And you've made the conclusion based on that that um, the stock market will fall, your portfolio will fall, your retirement will be at risk. Um, so you, you come into our office as an individual and you say, the party that I don't like is going to win or there's going to be an outcome that I don't like. And now that's going to result to my portfolio falling. Right. Walk us through from your perspective, Dave. How do you get that individual to go from to kind of walk through their their process and their yeah. strategy and, and the impacts to them and what should they do about it? Yeah, okay, good good question. Um, process, I'm going to focus on process for a minute. So uh, often those that, that anxiety is an emotional reaction, right? So let's just first of all identify that um, that m- many of us, as we're facing this and you get fired up about politics and what you think is right and wrong, okay, it becomes emotional. So we got to strip that emotion out and we got to get down to the the process, the facts, okay? So if you say to yourself, you can do this with your advisory team, you can do this by yourself, whatever the case may be. If you say to yourself, well, I think the liberals are going to win a minority and we're going to have a green, you know, holding um, the balance of power effectively. That's my worst case. And I've had this conversation with a number of people. So that's why you're using that as an example. Yeah, that's, I'm just using that as yeah. an example because it's come up uh, several times. Okay. So if that's the case, then start with the what what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, what's the next thing that happens? Right. If so, they get elected, and then very next day, what happens? Okay. And if if you stop, pause, and ask that question, you're going to have to start to list out your assumptions. Well, I assume that when that happens, all foreign capital leaves Canada. Okay. Okay. Which so, is a, which is a, a plausible thing. It, it's. Possible, okay. Highly unlikely, but right. possible. But, possible. but right. whatever, that, that's an assumption. Right? Yep. You have to think about yep. what I think is going to happen. All foreign capital leaves the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Taxes go up to 80%. Okay. Wh- whatever it is, list them down. Okay, list them. Create a list. And then, um, and then ask yourself or your partner, if you're working with them, or your advisor, okay, what is the chances of this? 
Okay, so we've got to risk this. We've got to figure out a probability assessment. A probability. So let's say that your scenario that you brought in, there's a minority government, taxes are going to go up, Alberta's not going to see a growth strategy because they're leaving Alberta out of this, kind of what I was talking to the other two candidates about. Um, And now we're going to see an 80% increase in taxes, and we're going to see a fallout in the markets. Right. Capital's leaving the country. Okay. What's the next step? All right. So, so now we've got to get down to strategy. What are we going to do about this? Right? So I've got the assumptions. This is what I want to be planning for. This is the scenario under which I'm planning for. Okay. So let's just assume that you don't want any exposure to Canada. Canada is going to zero. Our economy is going to zero. Yeah. Okay. Now you start putting in place your strategy. So if you have exposure in your portfolio to Canada, then you may want to consider Removing that. Can I, can I define portfolio for a second? Because sure. you'll kind of catch what I'm trying to say here. Portfolio is not just the investments you put into the stock market. Right. Portfolio to us is all of your assets that you own. Fair. Okay. Okay. I, I, you're yeah. catching I, what I'm I know what we here talked now? about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. the reason why I'm bringing this up, Dave. Total wealth, you're saying. Total wealth. Okay. That's even better. Let's broaden. Because it. let's go to yep. Canada is going to go through a big Beautiful. problem, okay. recession. Capital's leaving, things are going to fall. What's the first thing that people should think about that's going to impact okay. them primarily well, that's going to fall? So let's back it up. Let's, let's have a total wealth conversation, not just a portfolio conversation. Okay. Right? So if that was your conclusion, um, and I'll just finish that thought, and you decided you wanted no exposure to Canada, and you go to your advisor or your do-it-yourselfer, and you remove any Canadian exposure, have you removed your total wealth exposure from Canada? If your thesis is Canadian, Canadian economy is going to fall, right? Yeah. Um, well, let's think about what most people's biggest investment, biggest asset is. Biggest asset would be their home. Their home. So what's interesting, and you and I can um, anecdotally confirm this, that when we have those conversations, I've yet to have somebody say, I think this is going to happen, therefore the Canadian economy is going to really stink, and I'm putting my house on for sale today to get liquidity out of, and I'll go rent. I want all of my money. I want money. no risk of I losing I want my money. money out of the economy. Nor have I heard a business owner say, I'm putting my business up for sale right. because the potential of what could happen with, in our scenario, minority government. Right. Or I'm going to sell a portion of my business to de-risk it. I'm going to bring on a partner because of the political environment. Yeah. Right? So I go back to probability. I'm going to give you a real example. Uh, prior to Trump's election, um, where I had a phone call from a client three weeks before, yeah. and he was he was in a panic, a legitimate panic. Um, this client happened to be in Ontario, so not Alberta. Uh, but his, he said, Dave, uh, I'm terrified that Trump's going to get elected. And I said, well, the polls are showing you know, that uh, Clinton's going to be elected, so let's talk about it. Anyways, he was right. I was wrong, and the polls were wrong. It was a, it was a Trump election. But here's what he told me, Faisal. He said, if Trump gets elected... Okay, I believe the first thing he's going to do is default on U.S. Treasury payments to China. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, if that's the case, let's think about it. Um, that means that fiat currencies, like paper currencies, yeah. are, because the risk-free Become rate— Become worthless. Yeah, the risk-free rate, which is the, the U.S. Treasury bond, has just been defaulted on. Okay, All fiat currencies go to zero. Nobody has any confidence we in them. We now have a catastrophe in right. our hands. Okay, so if that's the case— and he happened to be in junior oil and gas, okay? So he had a very big position He's in a, a junior... guy now living in Ontario. Right, yeah. but not even local oil and gas. This was international oil and gas okay. in emerging markets, okay? So I said, we have to get on the horn here. If, if Given your scenario, what we have to do, the very first thing is we need to liquidate this, this illiquid 
big position that you have. So I need to start selling today. Yeah. You need to eliminate your home. Yep. Okay. We need to buy gold, land, and guns. And a bomb shelter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I said, great. I just need your permission to start liquidating today and that your commitment that you're phoning your real estate agent to start selling. No, 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 no. I said, okay. So I understand the intellectual conversation we're having, but I need you to walk me through the emotional component of this versus that's the probability. It. You nailed it right there. It's that once you have a thesis, an idea, or an assumption, walk through the entire things that could go wrong. What's the impact? And how do you preserve what you're trying to preserve? Right. Let me tell you, trying to preserve your stock portfolio and not preserving your total wealth right. can be a disaster. Right. Right. So this is where you need to go back to your advisor if you're using one and go and say, here's my scenario. Because when and if yeah. in this election it doesn't go according to what your plan was right. or what you wanted, you better be ready. And you have to ask your advisor, what's the impact to my total wealth and not only just my portfolio? And let's start having a strategy right. based upon that. Right. Then you're going to see success. Then the anxiety level goes down. There you go. You take control of that, right? You're now empowered. Right. And don't make all-in bets. <laughs> there are too many moving parts. Yeah. There's, a, there's a base case that you need to form. Then you need to humbly ask yourself, if I'm wrong... What else could happen? What else could happen? Exactly. Because you could be wrong and it's worse than expected exactly. or it's better than expected. Correct. Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about all this. Talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. the base case, the best case, the worst case scenario. How do you profit and protect in these markets? And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. They're filling up fast. Give us a call. 966-8400. That's 966-8400 or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. Don't forget to join us next week as we've invited the, uh, the two remaining parties to join us uh, to discuss their platform with respect to people transitioning to or living in retirement. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.